0: Aloha, I'm Clifford from your Manoa Safeway. Can't decide what to eat? Whether it's lunch or dinner, you'll find the perfect meal in the Safeway Deli. Handcrafted sandwiches, fresh sushi prepared by our in-house chefs, signature salads, our famous fried chicken and tenders. Add a side like creamy mashed potatoes or mac and cheese. All fresh and ready to go every day. Stop by this week to get a hot deal on rotisserie chicken, only $5.88 each with in-and coupon. This is Clifford from Manoa Safeway, and we'll see you soon.
1: You're listening to Turf Show Radio. With the first pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the
2: Los Angeles Rams select Jared Goff, quarterback, California. John Austin,
1: Early. Down the sideline knocked not about,
0: but here's
1: it out. Oh, he drops it in the bucket. Kenny
2: Britt
0: is gone. Touchdown. Give it to Gurley.
1: Gurley extending to the goal line. Touchdown. Todd Gurley. That puts him at 1,000 yards on the button in his rookie season.
2: And now, here's your host. Hello,
3: everybody, and welcome back to an all-new Turf Show Times radio. And boy, do we have a show for you today, so I'm not even going to waste any time at all. First thing I'm going to do is introduce my co-host, main man, the editor of Turf Show Times, you know him as 3K. I know him as Joe Mcatee. Joe, how you doing, my friend?
2: Doing great. Let's hurry up. Let's get to the. I'm so excited. I just want to get to it, man.
3: Well, introduce it. Introduce it, Joe.
2: Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm the right person to introduce uh, one of the all time greats uh, for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, played for the team for eight years, from 1986 to the penultimate year in Los Angeles, 1993. Uh, has all kinds of team records, and uh, for I guess, gosh, it makes me feel old. For for fans of my age, remember him well, and obviously those older who knew him as a young man at Purdue and before that, coming out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's Jim Everett, everybody. Jim Everett, thanks for coming on.
1: Joe, Josh, good to be with you guys. You know, it's uh, been great having LA back in town, right? Yeah, it's pretty well, much the best. Yeah.
3: yeah (laughs) i mean Uh, we're having all the fun i don't know if the fans are but we get to talk to people like you and ed and everyone
2: and they get to listen Uh, and ask questions and you know hopefully uh you know it's the beginning of a, it's the beginning of a new era of Los Angeles Rams football and uh, I I can't think of many more people that I'm glad to talk to and hopefully to have involved Jim before we get to some of the recent stuff in the 2016 season and where this team's going I want to talk about your career a little bit what 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 do you remember most about your time with the Rams
1: oh I mean, there was so many good things that happened i mean just you know the the trade moving over and you know i was uh, third pick and by Houston and and moving over the the trade was pretty exciting. I mean, I didn't know where the heck I was coming out of college, and you know the Rams made a made a big time deal to to move me over. That was huge. You know, I mean that that doesn't happen all the time. But um, and then coming in, and then of course you know having a coach like John Robinson, who I I, I respect for. Uh, Dick Dick Cory was in that staff, and then Ernie Zampezi came on later. And Norv Turner was there. I mean, we was just it was a, a all pro coaching staff. And then and then having a chance to hand the ball to Eric Dickerson. I mean, that's, you know, one of the all time greatest running backs ever. That was big. Having a chance to throw to Henry Ellard, Flipper Anderson, Pete Holahan. Um you know, there, I could go on and on going to having a chance to go to playoffs and and, you know, beating Philadelphia on the road and, and beating, you know, um, the giants and, you know, having a chance to go against the 49ers, our arch nemesis and seeing that whole thing come back in the realm and, and be relevant back in 2016 is, is pretty cool stuff. I mean, you know, having a chance to play against Ronnie Lott having a chance to play against Lawrence Taylor, I'd go on and on. It was, it was some pretty special times. And, you know, you know, I get to say it, being the Rams all time, leading passer. I mean, that, that was that's pretty cool i never thought that would you know still be relevant after kurt warner's career and after all you know some of the other guys that have that played at the position um but there's sure. just there's just some good guys good friendships and things that i you know i just really relish and uh you have know, to bring in history to this to this team that that comes back to la how cool is that i think it's pretty damn cool uh
2: before i turn it over to josh to get him in one more question uh one of the things we're trying to deal with, you know, in terms of the current dynamic for the team is, you know, a team that's got a really, really, really strong defense and an offense that's going through some growing pains and really hasn't uh, got it all together uh, to this point. Um, you know, a, a lot of the teams, especially early on in your career, like you mentioned, Henry Ellard, uh, Eric Dickerson, so many so many great players on the offensive side of the ball, but a lot of those years were typified by a defense that maybe struggled. What is, what is that feeling like in, in The NFL locker room, when, when maybe it's it seems like one side of the ball isn't pulling their weight. How does that dynamic play out? And and, you know, knowing that you're one team, that you know, when you go into practice and you're facing off against these guys, what what is that feeling? What is that sentiment kind of like?
1: Well, first of all, you're a team, so you know, and and, you know, you might want to talk about offense, defense, and special teams and one of the, sure. one of the part of the teams I didn't talk about coming in the first part of my career was our offensive line a Guy like Jackie Slater and Dennis Herrera and all-pro Doug Smith I mean that right there reminds me of today's Dallas Cowboys offensive line now when you're a young guy coming in behind those guys and we can say Dak Prescott. You can say Ezekiel Elliott look pretty darn good when you've got some pretty big studs that they're playing. Now, I don't think we could say that about the Rams right now. And I think your question was if one side of the ball has, you know, a lot more dominance than the other. Well, we'll see. We saw as last week, it doesn't make that much difference. You all have to pull your weight. You all have to have to find a way to be, you know, a pro bowl each weekend. You know, <laughs> because, You never know when your number's coming up. I mean, there's sometimes, even with the best defense, you got to score 35 points. I mean, it's just, you're not going to play games at 14 to 14 often. And, you know, putting 21 or 28 is pretty much mandatory in the NFL. And that's what the Rams are doing right now, trying to find ways to create points.
3: You mentioned numbers, and it's funny because... Two things from my childhood stand out about you. The first one is awesome. I had this little teddy bear uh, was obviously a a Rams deal, but it had number 11 on it, and and it wasn't so much a bear as it was like a little figurine that I carried with me every damn place that I went as a kid, (laughs) and it was cocked back number 11 getting ready to chunk the ball down the field. And the second thing is, is I obviously watched a lot of ESPN growing up and there's probably not too many of us that don't remember the Jim Rome thing. But what I find incredible about all of that is with you were somehow able to take that incident Take everything that was going on in L.A. at that time, because people seem to forget that right around that time, everything was falling out with the stadium. Everything was, you know, the potential move to uh, St. Louis that would eventually happen when right before L.A. left. What were the thoughts that were going through your head? I mean, how as a player, did you deal with knowing that this was going to be a franchise that you could sense on the horizon was no longer going to be in LA?
1: Well, you know, if Chuck Knox came in and in uh, nineteen, I think it was ninety two. And I knew at that point the writing was on the wall for me. I mean, that was, well, I don't really discuss this too much, and I don't really get into, you know, coaching, bashing, and this and that. But I could see the sense of writing when when John, when John Robinson left, when Ernie Zampezi left, uh, pretty much I left. And that was, you know, we were looking for trades. We were looking for other types of things. So I knew that my talent set wasn't going to be fitting in that whole deal. And it, it obviously didn't. And so in 1994, I was playing for the new Orleans saints. So, you know, I was fortunate to come back here and get to play these Los Angeles Rams on their last year when they were here. So, you know, I was kind of coming in and witnessing it as an opponent and it was just amazing. I mean, you know, the fan base, they were disgruntled. I could look over the sidelines and see Chuck Knox and, you know, and then of course I I pretty much knew the scouting report against the guys because I, I was with them for, you know, eight years. So, I mean, I knew the guys who were going to, and it was, it wasn't that hard to, uh, you know, find a way to find a victory, but I could only imagine the stuff, you know, moving from Los Angeles to St. Louis, but let's put it in perspective. The NFL is about finances and the stadium deal that they had in Anaheim was not good. So the stadium they had in St. Louis was good. So I think you know, for all sense purposes, the financial parts of being an owner said you got to go because of the stadium. The same reason why they're coming back to Los Angeles is because of the stadium, and it's going to be fabulous. And how amazing is that? Having a guy be able to basically self finance an entire stadium—that's rare, and I think that's you know unbelievably. Yeah, you know, an un- unbelievable thing that's happening here that I think that you know we all have to pinch ourselves in L.A. that we're not doing government or state financing of a stadium. We have somebody building a 300-acre project that's going to be premier that you know will tower over Jerry Jones. Yeah,
3: there's certainly no disputing, and I'm one of those huge proponents. Uh, well, I guess you could say proponents of of owners. Well, in theory, they should be able to pay for their own stadiums. I, I I, tend to hate, and this is just me, when I see some of the deals that these cities get at the expense of, of taxpayers. Nothing at all political about it. I mean, to me, this is a stadium issue. Why are the taxpayers supporting the billionaires? Something I that I don't – I've never understood. <laughs> but getting back to your career, there, there, there's a bit of an overlap um, that – That you have, you mentioned that you you played a couple years down there uh, in New Orleans. Now, in college, you happened to set a significant number of records that stood at Purdue until a future New Orleans Saint uh, and Purdue Boilermaker, by the way, came along and took those. Looking back on my time on Purdue, because Joe and I are huge college football fans, uh, if, if, if my information is here correct, you are the only Purdue quarterback to have ever beaten Michigan, Notre Dame, and the Buckeyes in the same season, the holy triumvirate of, of, of Midwest teams. Um, what kind of lasting relationships? Did not just the move to New Orleans, but being a boilermaker, maybe give you Andrew breeze because I, I kind of can 't help but feel that there's a little similarity in the way you guys spread the ball all over the field
1: well he is he is just a fierce competitor, and he, i mean i just I just love watching Drew play because I mean he's mentally into it he 's physically into it, and yeah he he came to Purdue a uh, Texas boy, I was a New Mexico boy. But, uh, you know, he, he goes to Purdue and he, they were running that wide open offense under Tiller, a little bit different than what we ran. We ran more of a pro style set, which, you know, fit me well moving into the pros. Um, but you know, we didn't have that, you know, why, you know, he threw a ton more than we did, but that's, uh, but you know, ha- kudos to him to making that work. Cause he, he was both mobile and he was accurate and he, he owns all the records at Purdue and, and, and by golly, he's a. He's, a, he's very active at Purdue, and it's really nice to see that. Now, when he ends up, I know he was over at the Chargers for quite some time, and I know the Chargers mm-hmm. gave up on him when he had that that, shul- that bum shoulder. But, boy, did he ever come back. And, you know, what he's done with Peyton down in, and down in New Orleans is amazing. I mean, he's going to be maybe one of the top three quarterbacks ever in the NFL. The, the way he keeps going, and it doesn't look like he's slowing down one bit either.
3: No, apparently not after last uh, last week. But you know what? He still <laughs> never beat Michigan, Notre Dame, and Ohio State in the same season. So you can always word that over his head. <laughs> Joe, what you got? Oh,
1: yeah, I've got one thing. Yeah, that's good.
2: What were you going to say, Jim? Oh, that's the one thing I, that you got?
1: Uh, yeah, that's one thing I got on Drew Brees, And, you know, that's that's fine. But the fact that we both wore peas, we both had a chance to represent the Saints and, you know, do our stuff. And, and you know, uh, there's one thing I got to tell you about down in New Orleans and and being down there, the fans there and the people there were terrific. They really were. I mean, they were they were humble. I mean, I don't even know over the years they were wearing bags over their head because they could never win down there with Archie Manning. And that's where I, you know, befriended the whole Manning family. and And Peyton Manning used to come out to our practices, and so you know I had a ton of experience with Peyton going through high school and him coming over to practice and heck me and Wade Wilson were throwing him in drills back when he was a little pencil neck, you know, high school kid. It was, it was a great experience and it's a good family down there, but there was just something wholesome about being down there.
2: Yeah. Somebody whose family's from Louisiana. We are, we're a strange people, but damn it, if we don't love some good football, no doubt. Um, you know, I'm trying to transition this to the, to this season. Um, And and, you know it's not going the way I think fans would have hoped to on the field. Obviously, at four and seven, that's understandable. Uh, But you know you've got you've got this hope in Jared Goff as a number one overall pick who's now gotten his first two starts. If there, you know, for somebody who got held out for ten games, what do you think Jared Goff can learn from? Uh, 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 a half of a season that's going to serve him well you know he d- he didn't get the keys to the to the truck in week one and they waited and they got to a point where they felt what, for whatever reason they felt comfortable go- saying okay now we can roll with him what what can he get out of this season to help him moving forward based on your experience
1: oh gosh he's, he's gonna get such a base i i don't blame him for letting him have a little chance to you know, get the termly, terminology down. He's coming out from one of those air raid offenses where, you know, he hadn't had all the terminology to say. I mean, looking at him at practice, he makes all the throws. I mean, he really does. And, and and, and you know, the, little, oh, wow, throws. And that's that's the cool part about having this type of guy. So I understand why they mortgaged everything to get him. But the fact sure. is, is he's got to go in there and be the team leader. I mean, you can't just throw the kid in when he doesn't have respect of his teammates. That's not fair. And and you have a kid, Case Keenum, who's worked his butt off to be the leader, and so I don't, I don't, I don't knock Fisher on that. I mean, maybe maybe I would have gone a couple weeks early, but you know, he had a whole preseason, which I never had my first year, and then he had you know two months of understanding the terminology. I don't care if you're in school or anything. I think three months you can pretty much get down whatever whatever class you're in. You you pretty much can get down what you're doing, and so I think that's where he's at, and I think it's only you know up you know things shooting up from here. So I think that part, that part's cool. I think, you know, as far as this whole offense that they have in 2016 is brand new. So they're trying to bring some of the Peyton Manning deals with grow in from, you know, is in Chicago and bring that to the whole entire offense. It's not like they're just plugging them into some West coast offense and everyone else knows it. And the kid just has to throw it. Everyone's learning. So it's, it's not just, it's Kenny Brent, it's the receivers, it's the tight ends. It's the whole expectation, the blocking schemes. And, um, so I mean, think, think that's where they're at. They're, they're growing as a team. And I remember when Ernie Zampese came in in 1988, it took us a half a season just to start getting efficient. Yeah. So that's where they're and at. What? I think you
2: saw some of that in a second game obviously that first game and it, it is a, like you said the concepts are pretty limited or yeah I would say the concepts are limited you said that they're new and that they're they're taking time to adjust to them and the first game against Miami obviously wasn't all that explosive but that first half against New Orleans things look very good the two minute drill was fantastic um, and and made some of those throws where you say, okay this kid's getting a command of the offense." Uh, what, what is that? And I, I, I know this is the second time I've asked you the dynamic question. What is the dynamic like when you go from a first game where, where things don't go so well offensively to a second game where they where certainly they do when you throw three touchdowns in the first half? But also this kind of idea when you have such a great first half and then nothing's clicking in the second half. What it, as a quarterback, how do you process that game and what do you take moving forward?
1: Well, I think it's a great example of the NFL, to be honest with you. You think the other side went in the locker room and didn't make adjustments? They absolutely right. did. And actually, here's the New Orleans defense who, who probably is not that good on, on any normal Sunday. They made adjustments. No, they're and, not. And they, yeah, <laughs> they made great changes. <laughs> they're, they're not that good, but they made, they made the changes to disrupt what they were doing. So when you start becoming a good offense or a good defense, you have to be able to morph. And times at halftime, you have to make adjustments, and you can do that with more veteran guys quicker than you can do with new guys. So you can see the Rams coming out maybe on a 10-play drive, maybe the first half, all the stuff that they had. But when they have to start repeating and start doing new things, they can't adjust as quick. They didn't adjust as quick as the Saints did in the second half. Matter of fact, the Saints' offense – was incredible. It was I mean, they they awesome. actually yeah. embarrassed. I mean, you take yeah. some of the screens that they did; they made it look like high school. And it was, you know, they had a great game plan. They knew exactly where Barron was going to bury himself in the line when the you know the running back had to was on a big, and they shoot out for a little screen and it goes for sixty. I mean, it was incredible. It was it was good coaching, and it was some of the things that the Rams will get to. They're just not there yet.
3: Josh? Joe's me. Yeah, no, I uh, Joe hasn't informed you this yet, but I'm actually a recent convert. Uh, I was a college football fan for basically the whole of my life until I worked at Red Lobster, putting myself through undergraduate before I went on to graduate school. And we, the senior servers used to get Sundays off, and eventually I fell into that category, and I would go and hang out with the guys because I wanted to drink the beer. So they decided they were going to give me an NFL team after I was like, dude, I don't have a team um because after the rams moved away that was kind of it for me you know i i was one of those people that when i was like well i'm a kid you know you move screw you that's how it works when you're a kid um
1: Josh, but, that's, that's how the nfl works everyone i mean I know the kids for 21 years who had no team and that's me? the crazy thing about it
3: you for- were my hero when i grew up no, son, I, I'm like I'm not just saying this because because you're on the podcast and it's kind of odd because you look around the landscape of the NFL and any number of quarterbacks playing at that time. Like my two favorite were you, and then eventually Steve Young, and and sure they. Took that away, man. Like, I I lived in La Palma. I did not live that far from Anaheim. In fact, my church was in Cyprus, and we used to go and eat in Anaheim afterwards. So it, it pissed me off, man. Like Orange County was was my hub, and then they tried to give us the Ducks, which was okay, but it, it didn't replace having football in your hometown. And right. yeah, you know, I, I want to ask you a question that's kind of... I I think it's fair for a quarterback to judge, but it's something we talk about every week on this podcast. And you look at that left tackle position with Greg Robinson. Greg Robinson didn't play last week. um, And and Fisher said that he's probably going to play this week. Um, We're now, uh, you know, several years into the Greg Robinson experiment. And there's been shouts for not necessarily ditching the kid, but maybe moving him inside and giving somebody else another shot at that left tackle position. You have played the position, and you have relied on one of the better offensive lines in NFL history and had people guarding your back. When you see that left tackle position for the Rams, how do you view that as a, through your quarterbacking lens?
1: Well, I I can tell you this. When I had a panky blocking my left side, I had, I slept well. I mean, I, I knew when I'd go in the game, I, you know, uh, things were, things were going to be handled. I it wasn't going to be perfect. We knew that, but I knew, I knew we weren't going to get stupid stuff coming at you. So I left. And then later on in my career, you know, it was the old look out on the backside <laughs> and I won't name names, but I mean, how many times I heard, look out. I mean, I'm like, I'm trying to look, look downfield and someone yelling, look out from, from your back and you're, you know, you're flinching. Holy cow. So that left tackle, you, you are right, Josh is, is so important. And right now I, I don't see that as one of our biggest assets right now on our Ram team. I think that you know, there has been some times when, uh, unfortunately, that there's been penalties coming from that left left tackle position. There's been, you know, I don't know what it's going to take to have someone grow up and, and man up and do that position. Um, I know it's a tough position. I know it's tough, but you know, if the if you know this is a production business in the NFL, if it's not getting done, then you move him inside and, and try it out with somebody else. I mean, that's just what you do. I mean, it's I don't care if you're picked number 1 in the draft or you're a free agent in the draft. If you're if you can play, you play. If you can't, you move inside and play guard. If you can't play guard, then, you know, you're a backup. And if you can't if you can't handle that all that stuff, then you you're not on the team. So I don't know how else to say it. It was surprisingly surprising that someone sat down a guy who was a starter for a week. That that surprised me. I thought for sure he would move into a guard and maybe Sappho would just switch spots. Um, but maybe that's not a skill set. So I don't know the whole dynamics there, but um, it's a production business. And if you're not getting it done, then you, you, had the, you hit the pine. If that doesn't work, then, you know, you, you move on. That's just the way we all go. I mean, I retired at one time and so is all my offensive line, you know, when they're not getting the job done, when you get old enough. And the fact is, is, if you happen to be 25 years old and not getting it done, you move on.
3: Now, I think uh, we've danced around it for a while, Uh, so let me just crack the knuckles and get right in there, speaking and moving on. Uh, So, we now have this feud that has developed. We all know what feud we're talking about, Mayweather and Conor McGregor. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, We all know about Fisher and Eric Dickerson as of late. Now... You're obviously Team team Dick. That did not come out right. Team Dickerson. Let's try that again, Josh. Team Dickerson. (laughs) 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 Oh,
1: Um, yeah. Okay. Here we go. That'll
3: that'll stay on the podcast. But you're obviously Team Dickerson. You played with this guy. You know what he's about. And you know what he did to earn that gold jacket. Now, the Rams say it went down one way. Edie says it went down another way. The truth may lie somewhere in the middle, but the fundamental argument that is, I guess you could say being bickered back and forth over is whether or not the current state of the program, is going in the right direction under the coaching. Now, I'm not going to sit there and ask you to toss Jeff Fisher under the bus, but what I would ask you to say is that in your evaluation, how have you seen what coaches like to call the process? Because this is year five. So if you're grading this process, how do you come out and grade it?
1: Well... To be honest with you for right now I'm looking at this as year one. So I don't I don't really care about all the history part of it. And the other part I really don't care what people say on the sideline or who's standing on the damn sideline. I mean if you're a player and you're playing, there's no one on the sideline. I don't care if it's the owner. I don't care if it's Britney Spears or whoever mm-hmm. or Eric Dickerson or Jim Ever or anybody else who's standing on the sideline. You don't affect the game, you don't affect the play, you don't have that so I think to put it all in the right realm of things, I think the whole the bickering about who the hell's on the sideline or this is that from either management or from Eric is absurd. To be honest with you, I think it's 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 about a, on a scale of one to ten, it's about a point two. I think it's That's great media. It. Uh, you know, it's, I think it's good media. I think someone saying I'm not going to come on the field because someone's a head coach in this network, he's not part of the organization either. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, and I, 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 like I said, I think that Jim Brown for the Cleveland Browns. Now, I think he could probably have some stuff to complain about. I mean, he's he's over there with a winless Cleveland Browns. You think he's not saying, "Hey, we're not doing something right"? So, I mean, I think everyone's entitled to an opinion, but unless you're inside the franchise, unless you're the general manager, unless you're the head coach, the, I don't, don't make it. It's just noise. It really is. And I, I like Eric. I really like Eric, and I think let's get on this point. Eric will tell it straight up, and I think he is telling it straight up. The stuff he's talking about is is rightfully questionable. I mean, I think that the fans are frustrated, but let's to the to the the issue is we're losing, and the issue is when you lose, everything gets you know heightened, manufactured, all craziness goes on. You know, if you're winning games, I mean, you can be an idiot and people won't say anything if you're winning, but the fact is we're losing. Then we have this. It's just a spat. It's, it's all, we beat the Patriots. We, we move on. We went out these other games. I think all that stuff, the the stuff about Fisher's past and him moving the team, I think that's a hard job. I mean, I'm I'm not giving him a hall pass on his coaching ability or play calling or anything like that, because we frankly, our offense is sucked, but the fact of moving the team and doing all that stuff, I know there's some there's some hardships with that. There's no there's no there's no two ways about it. I mean if we're thinking the Rams are gonna to move to Los Angeles and be sixteen to I don't know who's kidding who. Yeah. I mean this is this is a young team. They're not good on offense. They're trying to develop a scheme that's not really um, a set scheme out there. They're trying to develop what they what they are. I mean if they if they knew exactly what they are, they're Early we'd be rushing for 100 yards every week, but we're not that. So I think they're developing their own, you know, who they are. And who they are defensively, I think, is coming along. But you know, that's a lot of pressure on a defense to hold the team to nine points every week. You can't do that. That's too much pressure on any defense. These offenses are too good. Watch Tom Brady. Watch Drew Brees last week. You get against get these guys with some corners that are a little bit, you know, young, well, they're going to get exposed. So, you know, I, mean, I can't say you can have 12 sacks a game because that's what it's going to take against these guys. But they're a young team. They're here in L.A. They're our team. We own them. We love them. We're family. We're going to have fights. We're going to say stuff that's stupid, but we all come back together. And that's just how, that's how family is. And I think – I think Eric and, and Jeff will get over it. I think it's a speed bump. I think it's again, it's a 0.5 out of a ten.
2: Well said. Can't uh, can't endorse it more than uh, Jim Everett, everybody. Jim Everett on Churchill Radio. Jim, <laughs> what do we need to promo for you? It's uh, Jim underscore Everett on Twitter. What what else do you want us to throw out there?
1: Oh man, I just I'm just I'm just here in Orange County, Dana Point. Helping out the kids' school, just just doing my stuff. I used to be a financial advisor, retired, so I don't have any any major causes except help kids uh, grow up the right way, and you know, and and do a little coaching here and there, and and support our Rams. I'm just ecstatic that our Rams are our home, and uh, first time I've ever tailgated, to be honest with you, even go up to the Coliseum and tailgate. Oh. It's, hard, it's hard not to tailgate at the Coliseum. I'll give you that one, man. I'll give you that well, one. Well you have to tailgate because otherwise your traffic will keep you tailgating in the car for too right? long. <laughs> <laughs> this is very, so true. very true. Too
2: true. <laughs> too true. Jim Everett, everybody. Oh man, this was awesome. Jim, thanks for coming on, man.
1: Josh, Joe, it's my pleasure. Hey, and let's do it again sometime. Uh, enjoy. Yes, it. by the yes. way, that little teddy bear, I want to take I want you to shoot a picture up of that little that little thing that used to hang around, Josh. You're making me feel damn old.
3: I, dude, it, this thing is it's, it's in storage with with my grandma. Uh, I will have to try and see if I can't get it out of storage. I swear to you, I, I kept that bear. It is it is maybe about, when I say a figurine, I'm talking like a couple inches tall. And I bought yeah. it, there was... I remember the the restaurant, it was like called Kate's Place, and they had this amazing French toast, but right next door to it, because my mom always used to go there with her singles friends after church, I would go into the bookstore, and that's where they had this thing, and I went in there, and every Sunday, I kept picking it up until one day, my mom's like, do you really want that thing? And I'm like, yep, and then it went with me everywhere, so if I can get the damn thing out of storage, you can be sure that I'm going to tweet you a photo of it.
1: I want to see that thing, Josh. All right, go find it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Very cool,
2: man. Jim Everett on Tertial Radio. That was fun.
3: Yeah, it, you know, and it's true. It's kind of crazy, too, because I, I, I had to do a lot of thinking about that this week and in, in that Jim was one of my heroes. Like, I wasn't going to bring it up on air, but when he threw Jim Rome on his ass, I was cheering for Jim. You know, I'm like, not Rome, but Everett, I'm like, beat the hell out of that dude. I, got I, was- I, I,
2: I, I just find it unfortunate that that's the big, and it, it, we're, I mean, we're all subject to it, that's the big incident that everybody remembers him for because what i remember him for was he was the first quarterback that i knew you know i I, when i became a rams fan as a young kid jim everett was the quarterback and because he was there for so many years it was one of those things where once he left for the 94 season it was like i didn't know i i didn't know that this was a thing that other fans have to deal with you know the, the 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 fact that that it was a story of, okay, Chris Miller becoming the quarterback and then Tony banks and uncertainty around the quarterback position. That was something I never had to deal with as a young, as a kid who who loved the Rams. And and so part of that was because Jim Everett was, you know, to be blunt, so damn good. Um, And so, you know, that's his on field stuff for his off field stuff. I'm just glad he came on the podcast with us just to, to talk through what's been a a hell of a week, man. Um, a, A week ago, we were talking about Jared Goff's first start. We were talking about the Miami Dolphins, 4-6, and six, heading to New Orleans with an interesting game, his second start, with a chance to, to level the, the playing field and maybe get back to 5-6 and six and normalize things in Los Angeles. Nothing got normalized. Nothing at all. Jared Goff went off through three touchdowns, had a hell of a first half, then the Rams' offense sunk in. Uh, a, as it did for the entirety of the Miami Dolphins game. And then you had all this Eric Dickerson stuff, man. What what do we need to go through first? I know we've got somebody else coming on in a little bit. What, what do we need to knock out now in terms of the week that
3: Well, happened? look, dude, I <sighs> – I kind of feel like the Saints Let's
2: game. Just talk about just like That's what we really want to talk about is
3: I feel like the Saints game is like burn the tape Wednesday or something. Like, do we want to talk about it? Do the people want to hear about it? Like, if we had a fan poll right now and in this show we're live, we're like for the next ten minutes or so, do you guys? Which, by the way, we are going to start experimenting with. Producer Scott got a hold of me today. And uh, we are going to start working with it, Ramily, so stay tuned in the future for live versions of TST Radio where we may even experiment uh, with some Um, call-ins. We'll get back to you on that one. I've done it it in the past, and it's actually gone a lot better than I thought it would, so I'm not quite as apprehensive as Joe, so I'll have to win him over, but... um, Getting back to the point, yeah, if we had a poll, I'm pretty sure people would say, skip over the Saints, just don't talk about it beyond, that game probably is just another, like, here's all I would say about the Saints. If you wanted Fisher fired, that game is just, well, it's a pretty big log for you, but it's just another log on the fire. That's all that game is. That that game serves... Talking about it serves no more function than that, than to give fans who want Fisher fired more ammunition. And frankly, I don't really feel like reliving that game, brother.
2: And I was a but Saints sure, fan. The, sure. And, and that's the thing is that the, what's weird is... What what's funny is there's a, there's an irony where every you know all off season people are like yeah Tershaw times is too negative Joe's too negative, then we come out of the game and everybody's like why the hell is Joe so positive about this stuff? I, there's a lot of things I like. Jared Goff not only threw his first touchdown, he threw three touchdowns in the half. That's that's not just not normal. That's almost impossible for the Rams offense. That it, shit don't happen. It, it, you don't
3: down touchdowns either, man. No. Like he let the ball go it's, on a it, couple of
2: occasions. And, and the two-minute dr- – and I, ca- I can't drill this in enough because the Rams are, are one of the best teams in the NFL at early scripted offenses. They do a great job at coming out and, and being very competitive on offense first two, three drives. Rob Boris said uh, they script about 16 plays, but obviously you can't run all 16, so it's one of those things where you base it off the drives and then you start making your adjustments. Rams are one of the best teams in the NFL doing that early stuff. The two-minute drill, regardless of how many plays they script, two-minute drill wasn't part of that stuff. That, that was Jared Goff running an NFL offense and carving up, and you can't, you can't be too hyperbolic. He, he stomped the, the New Orleans Saints defense in a situation where they knew what was coming. Two-minute drill, you know what's coming. You know the other team's got to pass. And Jared Goff ripped them up. I, I if, you, if you want a silver lining, if you want a positive out of that game, go watch that two-minute drill over and over and over. The, it, you see the things that you want to see from a guy that justifies trading up for the number one overall pick. Now, granted, second half, like you said, There's nothing from that to take away. It was horrible on offense the way the same whole game was against the Dolphins. Horrible on defense from a defense that you don't say that about much. Um, And, you know, given the lack of adjustments on both sides, the adjustments that Jim Everett alluded to. I didn't
3: know that Mark Ingram could run that well, to be perfectly Uh. honest.
2: And that's the question is, did he run that well, or did the Rams just let him? And so, yeah, that's one of those things we can move on from, but definitely got to call out the golf performance. The he bigger elephant
0: Since you're talking about Jared Goff, I'll just give you his, his stats for the game. He was 20 of 32 for 214, three touchdowns, and an interception. That's not bad.
2: It's not bad, and especially if you just look at the first half, because I think I tweeted it, I think on Monday, and I already forgot what it was, but like 85% of his work was all in the first half. So it was a very, very impressive half of football, And, and I would say this. There was a half of football at the end of last season that Case Keenum played on Thursday Night Football about, uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that, that somehow justified placing him as the starter throughout the entire offseason and going into this season. So if a half of football means that much to somebody like Case Keenum, as it did from 2015 to 2016, I think it's only fair that we can say, look, the half that Jared Goff had should be something that we that we acknowledge and, and we really you know circle with a sharpie moving forward to say, look, this is possible. Possible. we got to get we got to figure out a way to get back to this because we know we can do it with him the bigger issue though was that as soon as this game was over more or less we went into one of the most dramatic sagas that uh the rams have dealt with in recent years where i guess guess we got to summarize this but you know what
3: though i want to play conspiracy theorist here for a second
2: well, let's summarize the whole thing first and then I'm, okay, uh, I'll yeah, yeah. for go, for it. go for it because I don't even I don't even have much of a reaction. I mean, kind of like Jim at this point. It, 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 it's one of those off field things that and, and what I what I said to the group uh, in our chat room for the staff is because the Rams haven't won games, like Jim said, because you haven't won games, what it creates is a vacuum. And when the national media waits for a Ram story to bubble to the top, Because they haven't won games, because of that in the national consciousness, this is what bubbles to the top. If we had been winning games, this wouldn't be a thing Uh, for anybody that somehow doesn't know. Eric Dickerson, uh, obviously former Rams, great Hall of Famer, at some point requested sideline passes for himself and some friends. Somehow, and this is one of the main, maybe the only unknown, that request got handed down to Jeff Fisher to call Eric Dickerson and let him know that the request had been denied, whether it was Fisher who denied it or somebody else. And it, the responsibility was Jeff Fisher's to call him and let him know. Not sure about that, but somehow the, the responsibility came to call Eric Dickerson and let him know that the sideline passes for his friends had been denied. It's worth pointing out that as a Hall of Famer, he's got a permanent sideline pass. So it's not as if Jeff Fisher could ban him now. There is some discrepancy here where Eric Dickerson says that Jeff Fisher told him that the players felt uncomfortable about having Eric Dickerson to the sideline because of some criticisms he had made of the team and of quarterback coach Chris Winkie. Uh, previously, he's on, what is it, 570 a.m., Josh? Is that the right call sign for that, sta- for that station?
3: I think so. It's at 530 or 570. I know it's the one with Leanne Tweeden and Bill Ryder.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's the Fox Sports affiliate, and uh, you know he, he since I think August of this year, Eric Dickerson has joined the show as part of that programming block, and so he, he's crossing over. He's doing the same thing to Marco Farr, Maurice Jones-Drew are doing. You know this crossover from former player to media, and so Jeff Fisher had made some comments about the players feeling uncomfortable, whatever that means, and so they denied his friends the sideline pass. Um, but reference this idea of making luxury suites available, even though there aren't luxury suites at the Coliseum. But whatever, Jeff Fisher's point was that, that he just was denying his friends the sideline passes, though he wanted the friends to right be... Yeah, well, it, you know what I mean. The, the, the idea that, that, that he was making the team available to his friends on game day just didn't want him on the sideline, perhaps, because of the comments. And, and you know, it's been one of these things where is that fair retaliation is it not do you want eric the the bottom line i would say is two things but i want to get you in on this because of what you were going to say you go first
3: uh basically i just wanted to play conspiracy theory for a half a second and be like you know I don't in any way, shape, or form believe this to be true, but if you wanted to avoid having the press discuss an ass-kicking like the one the Rams took on Sunday, this would sure as shit cover that, wouldn't it?
2: Sure. Yeah, and I've seen another conspiracy theory coming out because Eric Dickerson's going to be on The Celebrity Apprentice coming up, and I saw somebody... Alluding to this being the fact that it, it, remember it was a couple days it was like a week after or ten days after the call that Jeff Fisher made to Eric Dickerson that Dickerson brought it up uh, and then obviously Dickerson was let's say offended that Jeff Fisher in his Monday press conference w- didn't what's the right word you know his his the way that he approached it in the Monday press conference didn't divulge the details and miss uh you know, and this part of to- the problem with. J- it, it is. It misrepresented, but that's what Jeff Fisher does with the media. That's part of the nonchalance that he plays and the fact that he doesn't feel that he has to be full of uh, Fort Wright and, and, and completely honest. And that created a situation that, that this time he couldn't really run away from because instead of the target being the you know his team, it was somebody who, like Eric Dickerson, is incredibly outspoken and doesn't feel like he has to check what he says. And that's kind of run out. The two things I would say out of this, Jim said it, it, it's not a big deal. Um, and it's really not. The bigger deal is that the Rams are 4-7 and seven headed to New England and if you look at the odds as two touchdown underdogs, probably going to be 4-8 and eight for the second year in a row spoiling the novelty of the return of, of the Rams to Los Angeles. That, that I think is the bigger issue, is that wins and losses matter more. This was something that happened in between Sundays. That's why it's a big deal. Next Sunday, nobody's going to be talking about Eric Dickerson. The second thing I would say, and this is what's more troubling to me with, with this horizon of a possible jeff fisher extension whether it's already been signed or not whatever the idea that if jeff fisher's the head coach for the rams in 2017 the one good thing that i've always said about jeff fisher because he's he's not great at in-game coaching he's not great at adjustments and management he's not great at winning football games and making especially when you get into december turning your team out to, to to take advantage of early season gains that's not what he does what i've always said he does well is the off-field stuff, the Monday to Saturday stuff, relationship building, brand development, the kind of things that we heard Jim allude to, Steve Why should we had on last week, who had a big article this week on it. If you haven't read that article, go read it. Go check out the video that we put on the site of his follow-up. Jeff Fisher does a lot of, he has a lot of other responsibilities besides just coaching football games on Sunday. I've always said he does that stuff incredibly well. That's why ownership in two franchises has tolerated him being able to be coach as long as he had this is an example where that's just not true he just no matter how you want to spin this he didn't handle this well the outcome should have either remained private or eric dickerson should have remained satisfied and because they didn't do either this is one case where his off-field management has to be called into question in a major way
3: so joe Curley, ladies and gentlemen joe how you doing today
4: no, uh, we're doing good. Making our way. Uh, is this the Patriots week or is this the Dickerson week? I'm trying to figure that out myself.
3: I think it's, uh, it's put it behind uh, Monday uh, or something, isn't which, that? What which which one's better?
2: I don't. Oh, God. <laughs> Give me what's option C.
4: Yeah, I was saying today, why couldn't this have been Niners week?
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> yeah,
4: there's really like not enough room to discuss both things at the same time, but yeah. but we'll do
2: get the, there. Befo- Yeah, before we get to the football stuff, let me ask you this, man. First year covering, uh, now the return, Los Angeles Rams. What's been your professional experience? How has it it gone from a, you know, forget the on-field product if you can. Um, You know, what was something maybe that you didn't anticipate that, you know, you've had to deal with? What is your experience covering the team? How how would you, through to this point in the season, how would you describe uh, uh, your job, the way it's gone over the past couple months?
4: Yeah. It's interesting. You know, it's been, um, it's been a new experience. I mean, I've, I've had tastes of the other, um, I'll call it the other, you know, the, the other four major sports. And, um, I've covered big events. I've covered local events and, you know, the way my philosophy, um, to this is, is they're just, to me, they're just all the same. You know, I enjoy covering, um, you know, some local events as much as I enjoy, you know, covering the national football league. It's just all, uh, it's just you know the very similar kind of journalism to me it's just been a lot of fun um kind of learning the, the the interesting thing for me about the team is that really i hadn't seen the rams play a live game in like 7 8 years so i had to to really kind of um you know get game pass and dig into you know the last couple last couple of years and really kind of te- you know learn that's why i've i've tried to connect so much with the fans because you know, nobody knows more about their team than the, the people who have passion for the team. So, you know, I've really tried to to meet Rams fans and talk to them and get their opinions on the team, and then kind of you you know use that information in the prism as I kind of watch you know in the off season watch the back the back games the last couple of years and and really just kind of learn the team itself. And you know, I've covered I covered USC and UCLA for about ten years. I cover a lot of local football and. And to uh, to all of a sudden be covering the it, it, it you know it, it's funny because it, because they're playing at the Coliseum and I covered USC for so long. There's some of it that doesn't really feel, you know, it's very similar. It feels like I'm just covering a USC game. Tim, it's really, Tim's you know, not
3: in the box. <laughs> <laughs> but
4: the but the um, you know it's the game. You know when I went up to San Francisco and covered the first game and saw you know a real NFL stadium and into you know in Arizona and, and saw that stadium you know, there is kind of a different feel um, for some of those other, you know, those other big venues. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, where I think to me, the biggest story over the next couple of years is, is how this team is going to kind of evolve into Inglewood and what it's, you know, and the changes that it's going to make. And, and I think that's kind of one of the, the, you know, the, the kind of the midterm, um, health of this franchise as they change, as they, you know, from everything from, you know, adding a billion dollars in it's worth from moving to, you know, moving to California. And then, um, you know, just, uh, everything from the marketing to the, um, you know, how they, how they're going to sell these PSLs and, and, um, how they're going to sell this team on the field, uh, to this, sure. to this market. So, um, to me, that's kind of, some of the more interesting in learning the personalities. There's a lot of guys in the team. I've really appreciated getting to meet and getting to talk to and, um, and just kind of learning the ins and outs of a team that we're kind of parachuted in next door to me. And, you know, that's been, that's been my experience. I I, overall, it's been, it's been a lot of fun, but um, you know, every season you have, it it has its dog days. So we're kind of getting there, I think here in December with a four and seven record.
2: More, and more than others, uh, at least with this team, if recent history and obviously two thousand sixteen is any guide. Let me get one more question, then, Josh. I'll throw it over to you. you. You mentioned the idea that you know you've met with Rand Sands and tried to get a sense of them over the course of the season. This is kind of a two-headed question. One, sure. how, how would you describe Los Angeles sports fans? I remember how media, <laughs> let's, say, let's say, let's say non-Los Angeles, and I like the fact you laugh. That's a great reaction. I remember how non-Los Angeles media. Question. Yeah, it is. It is. But, you know, I remember how the non-Los Angeles media would describe Los Angeles sports fans back in the early 90s when the team was getting ready to leave. Um and, and, you know, I thought right. that was as much unfair as, as the way St. Louis was kind of painted. But but what what is your assessment? Yeah. If you were explaining to somebody what differentiates a Los Angeles sports fan from any other city, what would you say? But then also, because of your experience covering these other teams, is, the, is there a difference between a Los Angeles Rams fan and USC fans, UCLA fans, other Los Angeles sports fans, Dodgers fans, whatever? Something that maybe you sense from Rams fans that maybe sets them apart from other L.A. franchises?
4: Well, I mean, when you when you get into kind of overarching generalizations, I think that's kind of the issue because there is the kind of laissez-faire, you know, you, you've got that, um, you know, the traditional kind of um, stereotype of people showing up to Dodger games in the third inning and leaving in the seventh. But, you know, this is a huge, but just to take baseball, I mean, it is a hugely passionate, you know, re- um, region for that game. You know, Vince Scully has inspired, you know, it, you know, a a legion of of baseball people who are going to be baseball people to the day they die. The Lakers being such a a successful franchise really make LA a really unique market because, you know, so many people are just so fascinated and so taken by the NBA for so long. I mean, I think that's, there was a vacuum when, when the national football league left, the rest of the country was becoming NFL country and this place, Became a, a very important NBA the flagship NBA market, um, you know college football with with UCLA and USC um, is huge. But lately, the the Kings and Ducks, you know have have have. It, it, to me, it's just it's too big of a market. It's too big of a place, really. Um, you know to have to kind of generalize. I mean, really, that's kind of the issue. The, the issue that the Rams are going to have coming forward. I mean, you've got pockets of. of Beach neighborhoods that are huge volleyball communities. And you've got, that's one of the reasons why in every sport, there's, you know, you've got great, you know, this, this region produces so many great talents in all kinds of different sports. And, and so everything is kind of, reg, you know, segment. I, it Just in my own county, no one wants to hear about Ventura County. But the west end of the county is a huge. No, that's not true. <laughs> I want to hear about Ventura County. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, there's parts of this county that are huge basketball. You know, there's a huge basketball community on the west end. There's a huge baseball community in the middle. So, uh, Camarillo High gave the world, um, you know, the two of the biggest, um, uh, you know, two of the two of the biggest major league baseball signing bonuses and joe borchard and delman young they were one and two for a long time up into the last couple of years and in and, and in other parts it's you know there, there's you know all kinds of other sports and 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 we do more football than than any other sport and you know i cover soccer is just enormous when you you talk about you know the how um, you know you've got Carson down here, so it's a it's a it's one of the centers of I American noted soccer. Joe
3: Mac, that Joe C brought up soccer this time. It wasn't me. <laughs>
2: Fair enough. But you I'm know, I'm just I, offended. To, I'm offended yeah. that Joe Curley would trash the great county of Ventura County on social <laughs> radio. <I'm> so
4: <laughs> yeah, make sure you t- make sure you tweet that out and get everyone around. up. But I mean, I think it, it's just to me, it's just really difficult to kind of generalize because it's it's an enormous place and with a lot of different, and that's, I think that the Rams are coming in they're trying to, you know, to, to train up here and play in, in down in Englewood and, 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 um, you know, have training camp in Irvine and they're trying to put their arms around the whole, um, the whole area, the whole region in itself. And I think that's really a difficult, um, really difficult thing, a difficult challenge. And, you know, obviously you want to, you know, have as, so we want to take advantage of all that market. But I think that's kind of a fascinating thing going forward is, is, are there going to be, you know, is there going to be parts of this town that are going to be, uh, you know, the Rams are really going to take hold in. Um, and if, if that's, you know, if there's going to be kind of like their roots where they put down and, uh, and really generate fans, I mean, cause that's going forward. I mean, they're going to have to sell a lot of PSL. So they need to find a lot of money, you know, in this community fast. Yeah.
2: John, I want to ask you about that Irvine I want yeah. have this talking of Ventura County. Moore Park, Oxnard, Thousand Oaks, stand up. What you got, Jeff?
3: There you go. Well, I'm going to move to Irvine because that's kind of, you know, I grew up uh, in Irvine after I moved from La Palma, uh, University High Product. And, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, University High Trojans. So, uh, you know, I do find it interesting like that the Rams are going to target that market because – Having lived there, I don't think that there is a market in Irvine. Like, they don't give a crap about their local high school football, and they never have. Yeah, because it's going, water polo and soccer. Yeah, and- going <laughs> even back to the days that I was in high school, like, I cannot remember a single time. And I know university sucked when I was there, but my you buddy Isaac said before. Hey, my buddy Isaiah McLemore played for the team. So, Isaiah, I have no idea what happened to you in life, but if you happen to be a Rams fan and are listening to this podcast, what up? No, um, oh, wow. You, <laughs> you mentioned that Irvine thing. How well do you think that's going to go? Because Irvine, it's it really has kind of it turned itself into almost a more corporate town than anything else.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, it's you know the the point being that Orange County is a very different place than L.A. is a very different place than you know Santa Barbara is a very different. You know, we've had that issue with Niners. You know, with the vacuum in L.A. You know, Santa Barbara is getting Niners games rather than because it's the San Luis Obispo um, television station. So, I mean, you've got you know, there's there's I mean, it's just. There's just a uh, you know, but uh, you know Orange County they have to go they they have to there's so many Rams fans in Orange County because the team played in, in Anaheim they have to do something um, you know for that community and you know not just a, you know Irvine is just a place where they have the field it's really all of Orange County that they're going for um, because there is you know that there is a lot of money there is a, a lot of their fans um, and that's kind of a battleground too if the Chargers come in uh, the, the Orange uh, the Chargers look at Orange County as their as as their kind of market and their place and you know if the two teams do end up sharing Inglewood that's going to be you know one place where um, you know where they're they're fighting for fans
3: it's going to be a battleground state it's going to be like the Ohio of California um, oh, i'm going to hit yeah. you with
4: let's not talk about the I'm election
3: No, no, let's not. Joe works in DC. (laughs) He does not want to come home from work to talk about work. Um, But what I do want to hit you with is one question about last week before we move on to some Pat's talk. Um, Just pure and simple. You know, the Saints ran up an NFL high 49 points last week. It was pretty much come as you go, do as you please for Drew Brees. Did they do that for retribution? Just plain and simple. Did they hang 49 to get back at Greg Williams?
4: Well, I mean, I think it's, it's, you know, the motivations of it, you know, are kind of secondary to the, the reality of it. I mean, I think they, you know, obviously, you saw Sean Payton pumping his fist, and there was certainly something, you know, more to it there. But I think the reason that happened, you know, I, I don't want to give Williams a pass. But, you know, I, you're talking about two big minds who went at it in practice day after day after day for years. And so, you know, obviously Peyton knew exactly, you know, they, they exploited what they learned um, um, from that relationship. And certainly Peyton wins that, wins that battle. I mean, we, we, the defense has been so good this year. It's tough to kind of, you know, even, you know, come down on them hard with that. Um, you know, just because, you know, the, there is kind of that excuse of, of Peyton knowing, you know, Williams as much as maybe not, as Williams knows himself, but certainly there's an advantage right, there right, right. when you're right. dealing with, Coaches, you know, that have spent so much time go you, you know, if, if um oh, I was gonna use the Rams as a as a as a um, example, but you know, obviously um I don't you I know. Not to get off track, but the, you know, I mean, I, Yeah. I mean I just give I, I give you know they've been so good you know, you give them the, the, it certainly looked like the Detroit game to me. And and there's some issues with that. And so you wonder if it's the dome, you wonder if it, but the thing about it, Belichick brought it up today and I I was going to too, I mean, the Patriots went down. It's not, they're not the Rams are the first team to go down and get chewed up by Sean Payton and and Drew Brees in that, in that dome. I mean, that's, that's why, if you look at Brees, numbers, his numbers in the dome and out of the dome are two totally different things. Um, and so, you know, everybody goes down there and gets chewed up once in a while. So, you know, we'll we'll give the defense a pass. They've they've done enough this year.
2: Yeah, I, I would say anybody in general who goes down to New Orleans generally gets pretty chewed up. Um <laughs> ugh, loaded, loaded one there. Um, let me let me ask you a bit a, a bit more of a cerebral question, and then we'll get to the uh, an easier one that's more ram centric. Um, the, the media pool in St. Louis, Joe. Oh, the media pool in St. Louis <laughs> was. Uh, let's say less dense less populated um less uh, uh and because of that there were less angles i'd say that, than what the rams are dealing with from from a coverage perspective uh at least this year what what is your sense of how that of how the media is uh responding to rams football i mean you mentioned that you've covered other sports is it is Hmm. is somehow rams press conferences different than those other sports do you think that uh you know the personality of jeff fisher and maybe the identity of this team at least for 2016 is having an effect on how media is covering what's your sense of kind of that meta level of media covering the rams for 2016.
4: interesting I'm going to give you uh, what we joke about in the, the media room at Thousand Oaks. I'm going to give you the, that's a great question. We always joke about trying to get Fisher to respond with, uh, you know, it's a good question. Who, a who wins question. the big yeah. prize that, um, you know, I, I think it is, it's it's interesting because you're talking about a group, a media group that hasn't covered the NFL um, right. during their careers. Um, you're talking about, um, you know, like Gary and I have covered college football um, you know, rich covered, he covered the, he covered the Trojans as well, but he's, a, you know, he covered a lot of hockey, you know, Vinny has been a columnist. Um, you know, the whole gr- I think it is, it, it, you know, it is a learning process for, it. like I said, you know, the first thing I did was get game pass and try to watch old Rams games and talk to the fans and get kind of a sense of where the team is. I think it was a bit, it, to me, it was really interesting, <laughs> it was really interesting when Nick Wagner left um, and went up, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, maybe I don't know why he left and went to the in cover and covered the Niners, but I thought that was a huge, and Alden's been very good um, for ESPN, but I thought that was a huge Great. advantage. We were almost kind of all standing behind Nick and OTAs trying to learn the team, you know, cause he had such an advantage cause he had sources and he, he, you know, he'd covered sure. the team for so many years and, And to me, I thought that was, you know, that would have been really advantageous, you know, to, you know, it it kind of a huge advantage for him having that X amount of year head start, however many years he covered the team was it five or eight or 10, you know, whatever it was. And so I thought it was really interesting when he left and we were kind of blind for a little bit, I think a training camp, you know, I mean, and, and, and so, and so I think, I think we're going to be better as a group next year you know, as we, you know, uh, as every, as we kind of get used to this, I think now we're kind of, we're through the, the baby step, baby step phase. but I will tell you, it's a good group. I mean, all the guys, you know, rich and Jack and, and, um, and Vinny and Gary. And I mean, it Plasky came in, uh, Bill Plasky to me, for my money, the best columnist in the entire country right now. So every time he writes a column on the Rams, it's an absolute must read. Um, So, you know, I do think there's a good group and you, and you get, and I think the TV people are, are excellent. You know, you saw Liz um, from channel from the Fox affiliate asking really tough questions the other day on Monday, obviously, uh, you know, Jim Hill and um, you know, the whole, the ABC guy, you know, the the whole group, I think overall is just, you know, is really good, but we are, you know, this is a, this is a market that, is learning the NFL is learning um, and you've got that whole layer in the NFL of, of national guys. And, you know, that, you know, early morning chef, dropping all that, you know, what's happening in the, you know, that on game day, who's playing and who's not and that it's just the NFL is just really different in that you've got these national guys who have these ends and it's almost like a layer. It's almost their job is, you know, is, is to have those, those league sources that, you know, yeah, yeah that break all that, all that layer of stuff. And then our job is to kind of be, um, you know, the group on the floor. That's, that, that's kind of, um, you know, picking through the day to day, you know, minutia of the team and making sure that the, the passionate fans get every little bit of, of knowledge that they, that they need. Um, and then you've got the whole new thing now We're you know, people like miles and, and, um, and Danny, who are team, you know, employees, you know, kind of and miles is a tremendous journalist who's kind of put in an interesting spot because he works for the team. Um, sure. So, you know, all in Which all, Nick I think just, it's been.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Oh, did Nick work for the team, you said?
2: He did for years oh. before ESPN picked him up.
4: Did he really? Oh, that's an interesting move. Yeah. See, I didn't know that.
2: It is. Okay. It is. Oh, wow. That's it's kind of, a double, actually kind of a reverse of what,
3: uh, yeah, of what Oregon did with Rob Mosley up there because he was crushing it and happened to know everything about the team. So Oregon eventually was like, screw this. I'm, we're going to make him our in-house reporter. And, yeah, which is, and then he didn't to, have to fight. To it, me,
4: I mean, one thing that I, I tweeted the other day when someone was like, you know, Mo, you know, this is a story. They, they chose – I think it might have been you. They chose not to – you know, have a press release. They had Mosley write a story. And the thing about it is it doesn't matter what form you write that in. If the team puts it out, it's a news release. And I think that, you know, that's how I look at, you know, what we're, you know, I, I don't see myself as competing with miles because, you know, even right. though miles may put up like a wall and, 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 all, you know, but cause he's just, I mean, to look at just this week, you've got fans tweeting at miles really mad that he hasn't, responded to the Dickerson news and it's like dude he works for the team he can't you can't put the guy in that spot but um yeah I mean I, it's to me it, it's a good question it's an interesting group the the you know I think it's um you know i I, I think the Rams themselves are are making the transition to being covered um in a big market like l a um and I you know they're used to one way I think the you know the players themselves the I, mean, I think that's part of what makes this sees interesting is that you know we've got growing pains as as a, a group as a media pack and they've got growing pains going from from you know st louis to to this situation but i think it, it is interesting that they're you know they thousand oaks as you know for people who aren't around here is kind of disconnected from downtown la it is a drive there are you know everyone is driving yeah. um you know about a half an hour to an hour to, to go to practice every day and um you know that's you know, so I think that thins it out. There's days where there's not as many people there, where maybe you have more of a St. Louis kind of, um, you know, f- flow, you know, a, a group of uh, a St. Louis uh, level pack. But, you know, there are days like on Monday and Tuesday, where Tuesday was ridiculous. Tuesday was, sure. y- you couldn't part. There's been a, the, you know what it was? The biggest day this Did year. Did something happen?
2: The, what happened,
4: Joe? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, the biggest day, I'll give you, the biggest day this year was the day that it was reported that golf was was taking over and you could not park. There was not a spot. There's a set. There's a place where the reporters are supposed to park. And it's the only time and you get in trouble if you don't park in the It was the only day this year where there wasn't a spot available in the reporter area. And so there was, there's more what? overflow. <laughs> don't tell, don't tell Fisher, but I, I, I parked at the uh, very end fish, of the play art hotel hotel artists but i parked i, I parked <laughs> in the very end of the player line and um, i cool. kind of like poked my head out and i was afraid that you know one of the guys was gonna like artists was gonna be sprinting at me saying move your car get out of here dude, but,
2: it was, That's
4: funny. but they understood and it was you know um, but you know it, it was it was crazy so there's you know it's just like you know, any there's there's you know busy days and there's there's tuesdays where there's you know well, there's ten people out well we had two we had a two camera day it was the it was the two camera day we're like because it's normally five you know nine to ten um right. cameras for the for the stand ups and and uh and there was a there was a two camera day a couple Tuesdays ago we're like, oh, you know we could we could stand <laughs> there's room to elbow room to move, but that didn't last long with golf being uh, elevated.
3: Yeah, I was just going to say, looking forward to the Patriots, because the Rams certainly have a, a task on their hands. Name me a way, any way, that the Rams can win this game. Or is this just one of those things that fans should get ready to just take? No, I think, um, well,
4: I mean, obviously all the stats in the world, you know, everything on game day, you know, that. NFL network or ESPN is going to throw at you is going to make you not, not very, um, you know, as a Rams fan is going to make you think like you got no shot, The you know, Belichick outscoring Fisher 105 to seven or whatever it is the last two times they've played the fact that Belichick hasn't lost to a rookie quarterback since Oh one, um, you know, the, all that, all this nonsense. But the thing about it is if you've watched the Patriots since they traded away, Jamie Collins, um, the defense is, uh, I, I think there is a way. If Goff goes out there, I think there's a possibility that he could have a huge breakout game. You could score some points. Maybe, maybe William, you know, maybe the defense does just enough to kind of, you know, to make that hold up. I think it's a possibility. The Patriots aren't, to me, um, I, I think the Patriots are looking like they were the 09 year, the year they went to New Orleans and got creamed. Um, I think they're start. Oh no! And, and I think they're 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 vulnerable defensively. Obviously, you're going to have a lot of stories this week about Belichick. And the- I think one of the questions to Fisher today was talking about Belichick. He referred to Belichick as a genius in the question. to Fisher, and it's like you know, <laughs> I think the Patriots are actually in a transitional period. They're going to be a totally different defense. Next year, and I think there is a sh- there is a shot that Goff could go out there, throw for three hundred yards, three four touchdowns, and the defense could 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 make it hold up. Don't be. Uh, I think we were, we were, you know, we were joking today after this whole week with Dickerson that it would be, you know, so like the Rams to to upset the Patriots in bro. Plant the seed. I
2: like it. Yeah,
4: yeah. I'm not. Saying, I'm this. not saying it's gonna happen. I'm saying know, they got an inside straight draw to make it happen there, there for them, especially the way Jared's looked the his first two games. I mean, you gotta be uh, of all this negative press you've got of everything that could happen this year. The fact that Jared hasn't gone out um, and looked like a bust the last two games, you know, this first two games of the NFL is huge for this franchise Sure.
3: One thing that I, I, I want to get to you and then if you want to stick around and answer some fan questions that'll undoubtedly, uh, uh, be humorous uh be happy to do that but i want to talk about the poll that that we put up on turf show times which is if is if jeff fisher is extended do you plan to renew your tickets and um yeah i'm curious what your 87% of the respondents like this wasn't a simple one 716 votes 7% wow. said yes 6% said no, 87% said no to the poll if Fisher is extended do you plan to purchase season tickets in 17. Now, we know what we hear from fans, but again, we are a no matter if we do have, you know, unbiased journalists working for the site, it is classified even by the Rams as a blog. It is a fan site that's what it's classified as. That's really how SB Nation made their killing. So what fans will say to one another is not always what fans will do, as you've seen. Like USC fans saying, oh, if Kiffin's back, I'm not going to renew my tickets. Okay, but you're going to renew your tickets because you did. Because you're not giving up your seat at SC because you know what would happen if you did. Um, but with the Rams, these PSLs, these season tickets – This is going to be huge moving into the new stadium. And if you keep extending Fisher, say, as Joe predicts, up until right before they move into the new stadium, you could have a fan base that is so completely disinterested that your first year you take a huge loss because nobody wants to buy – because now you got to remember, not only are you going to be watching the same crap product, you're going to be doing so at triple the price because you're not getting the prices you're paying at the Coliseum once they move into the new cathedral. Anybody who thinks that, well, I want some of what you're smoking. So when you talk to fans, when you're out there with you know the, the, the club and, and you're talking to these right. diehards, What's the sense that they're telling you? Well, I mean I think that's why that is the heart
4: of the Dickerson story. That's that's why the Dickerson story matters. Because if you're gonna alienate, you know, the guy who symbolizes for so many people in this region, you know, the last time you had joy in this team, you know, to me, you know, the, the love that a lot of these diehard L.A. Rams fans have, you know, for this franchise, it's, it's part of the love that they feel for Eric Dickerson. So, you know, I think that that, to me, the reason why the Dickerson story is a big deal, because if you fracture the fan base and you make it tougher to sell, you know, the thing about it, they sold, eight, you know, they've sold 80,000 tickets, 80-some-odd 80 thousand tickets to every game this year. The money's this year, but, it, it, you know, they've, they've got the money. The fact that, the, that you know, parking and, and traffic and all those issues mean, you know, that they haven't filled the stadium, um, which, you know, I was kind of disappointed with the turnout for the, the Dolphins game, a historic occasion like golf. I thought the place was going to be packed, but obviously the rain uh, had, had part to do with that. But, the you know, to me, I, I, I think if you're chasing these fans have waited for so long and we saw the outpouring of love. You know, when they got here and they were so excited. I think there is, you know, part of these people that, part of the fan base has waited so long that they're just going to, they're going to keep going. They're going to keep doing it. But we've saw, we saw people on Twitter this week, you know, post their letters and that, you know, we'll see if they put their money where their mouth is. If, if Dickerson continues to be alienated and, and, and Fisher is retained, you know, what's it going to look like next year? I, I think it's too early to talk about Inglewood because all you, the thing about it is, all, all they have to do, they could have two more bad years and then make, you know, make some moves in the, that last year in the Coliseum. then all of a sudden people want to spend, you know, they've got some time to write the ship going into, going into Engle, going into Inglewood, getting those PSLs. I mean, even though they're going to roll out, I, I think they're going to roll out PSLs over time, you know, season ticket holders are going to be paying for PSLs, maybe as, as early as next year. You no know, part of that, but you know, that's the question. That's what makes like, you know, that's what makes, that's what's so fascinating about their insistence in, in maintaining Fisher. If they keep Fisher, um, you know, if they continue to play like this, and they can't, they, they people are not going to spend, even though they waited 22 years for this team to come back, they're not sure. going to spend absorbent amounts of money to watch a team that can't score more than 10. The, the other thing about it is look at every home game this year. Every home game this year has been, you know, n- nine points, four- ten points. You know, they have th- all those big, you know, those fun kind of, um, you know, blow-up games the- that in Detroit, in New Orleans. You know, the-, the fans that have paid all this money for games of the Coliseum this year, they haven't had the enjoyment of some of, of a couple of those shootouts that the Rams have had. They've had to watch those games on TV. You know, the new, the Saint, the uh, Tampa Bay game. So they've had three shootouts. They've all been on the road, and so every game at home this year has been kind of that snooze fest. And uh, you know the the defense has been fun to watch. The the Coliseum is a great place to watch a game and all that, but they can't go this. They they got there's got to be some fun. You know they, they can't go this whole home this whole home record without um, this whole homestand without you know, a breakout offensive game. They can't go the whole year without that.
3: I'm going to ask you one more I and kick it. it back to Joe. Just real what's quick
2: going here. on here. Joe, Joe Curley's trying to angle himself to come back before the Atlanta Falcons game to preview. I see you, Joe Curley. I see you. What's up, Josh?
3: I, I just want to uh, ask him sort of, you know, piggybacking off of that. And Joe, you know this, man. L.A. is a town where if it's not winning, like – if you have that yeah. you know, $3,000 and you're going to buy a seat license at the Coliseum, well, right now, I'm going to do it for Sam Darnold. I'm not going to do it for Jared Goff. My money is going well, to go somewhere in Los Angeles. I would do it for Josh Rosen. He's coming back next year. We know what that kid can do. There are, even the Lakers are slowly starting to rebuild and, mm-hmm. and, and add a little bit of that oomph that they had. The Kings have had a tremendous run of success in, in the recent past. The Ducks, you know, even if they haven't won it, they've been there. So, I mean, they're, if you're going to spend your money, you have options that are winning. How is is is? I see so many people on Twitter when I click on their profile, when they follow me, it'll say like, you know, USC, L.A. Rams, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I'm sure you see it, too, going through them. There is a cross-section of these fans who are the same. Is there a severe chance that that cross-pollination, that is going to be the segment of the fan base that the Rams lose? Because they're going to take their money and give it to the Trojans, the Bruins, or the Lakers. Well,
4: to me, this was a slam dunk story earlier this year. I didn't see anybody do it. Uh, somebody might have, but we tweeted about. I, I tweeted about this at some point in the middle of the year when SC was having really terrible gates. It was looking like you know the last year of Hackett, the first year of Carroll, when there was forty-seven thousand people at fifty, you know, forty thousand people at the Coliseum, and it looked like no one was there. I mean, the, the early in the year, it looked like a significant segment of the USC fan base invested in um, in Rams tickets this year, and at the expense of um, of Trojan tickets. And then at the end of this, you know, Sam Darnold does look good, and so you wonder if that's going to swing back next year with some, you know, with some of the stickers and follow Especially if Rosen's healthy too. If Rosen yeah, can come back
3: know. healthy, he and Darnold. I,
4: don't, <sighs> I think UCLA is a different thing, but the, you know, to me, um, I think that is a significant issue. Um, and I think that we did tweet it out and I looked for fans and we got a bunch of responses. That was, yes, I was a USC season, season ticket holder. And this year I got Rams ticket and it was a, um, what's the economic term? You know, there was a substitution effect. um, or whatever you want to call it. Cause it, you know, the, there's, you know, there's a lot of money in LA, but there's a lot of sport, you know, there's a lot of sports fans that you only have a certain amount of money to spend on tickets and, and you're making choices. There's so much to do you know, that, that you are making choices and, and they are, they do kind of compete against each other. You know, there was a lot of Rams buzz to start the year and now it is, you know, Sam Darnold has looked very good. And so, you know, they, the Rams do have to, and it's a big off season for the Rams that we could talk about on another, you know, uh, you know, another time, you know, they have, they have to get more entertaining pretty quick here. They do.
2: Yep. Sure. So uh, before we wrap this up and depending on whatever Josh has for you for listening to questions, I I got a good, bad and ugly for you, Joe. I got a (laughs) I got an easy question. I got I got a hard question and I got a Jeff Fisher question. So uh, which one do you want first?
4: Give you will go good and then good, bad and then go ugly. Let's let's knock these out. (laughs)
2: <laughs> sure, so g- the good question, the easy question you you mentioned earlier that uh you know part of what you've enjoyed in this first year covering the Rams is getting to know some players and you said some I'm paraphrasing now you said some were more interesting than others or something like that what what were you referring to what and if you if you say William Hayes and dinosaurs, Joe come on man. yeah yeah we, we've killed that story, but yeah, what what has been you know some of the personalities that have shown through what's the that lighter side? Give us the lighter side, Joe.
4: Well, I mean, I think it starts, it starts with Johnny Hecker. I mean, obviously the dude, it's, it oh, yeah. is such a shame that he's the punter when we were in Manhattan beach for the, <laughs> um, I mean, come on, when we were in Manhattan beach for, um, for the introductory press conference. And again, like I told you, I hadn't seen a Rams game live in a matter of years. I probably, you know, I, I could have told you Donald, I could have told you girly, um, trying to think, and I could have told you Troy Hill cause I've known him since he was a kid. But the, um, you know, the, the, really that was it and so when they they brought out um keenum was there ogletree was there who i knew Hafenstein was there and um and johnny hecker and i'm like why is the punter here well i mean after today when bill belichick basically put him in the hall of fame today i mean i think and i'm also working on another story um of something that Johnny did for a local fan. I mean, the guy is just gold. I mean, the guy he's enter- he's entertaining. He's a good guy. He's incredible at his job. I mean, really he's, there is no better. I mean, the guy's a, the guy's a legend. I mean, it really, I mean, the guy's the guy's legit. And so that's, it's been great. Um, you know, getting to know Johnny. I, I love Jamon Brown. I, I think he's a, you know, he's a really thoughtful um you know he's, he's still you think he's still so young he was he's you know i did a great um had a great time interviewing him earlier in the year when they were first moving in about their you know just their their move and 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 what they've done and what the. you know the how they've learned about the neighborhood i really like you know michael brockers is a guy i like to interview um you know i i think there are good you know there's i i think there's a lot more personalities there um, than I thought entering the year and, and, you know, they're obviously Will Hayes is, is legit. I mean, the fact that they, sure. you know, he comes back from new Orleans and says, you know, we should have played for free on Sunday. I mean, the guys honest as they come, um, you know, it's, it's just great. And I love honestly. the big one is I love Friday when Greg Williams gets in front of the camera and talks, uh, cause he could say anything and it, I think he's <laughs> he's really entertaining. I, I'm, I myself the most entertained I am all week is those ten minutes, five Greg minutes, Williams. ten minutes That's when true. Greg Williams is talking. I mean, I, I, it's it's just awesome. I, I so I think there's a lot there, um, and they're young. I mean, a lot of these guys are sure. young kids that sure. are you know they are the you know youngest or the second youngest team in football, and you know I think there are a lot as of them always. are going to get more media savvy um, as you go forward. Well, who else do I? You know, um, the times I've interviewed Benny Cunningham have been good. I mean, even like the, I love going through the, the, um, going through the locker room and going and interviewing the guys that don't expect to be interviewed. I, I had a great, um, I had a great interview the other day with Demetrius Rainey when it looked like, uh, maybe Barnes was going to be out and he was going to have to be the center. He was teasing me. I was interviewing Nelson Spruce, um, about golf cause they're close and he was teasing Spruce um about the fact that he was being interviewed and he you know obviously hasn't played and uh, so i turned around and i said oh you know this is talking about a guy who may start this weekend so i went and i interviewed uh rainy so that was uh that was good and you know i've interviewed um pace murphy <laughs> you know i like talking to the guys that aren't uh, you know that that don't expect to get talked to so
2: that's cool you know well, there you go. That's the, that's the if it's good, bad, ugly. Give me the bad one. The Let's take the you know, bad one. This is the easy, the hard, the Fisher. This is the hard one. Are you ready for the hard one? We <laughs> we talked hard, about man. the poll that we put out on Twitter. Here's the poll for mm-hmm. Joe Curley. If Jeff mm-hmm. Fisher is the head coach of this team in 2017, will you renew your media credentials? <laughs> of course,
4: of course. That's not a hard, that's
2: <laughs> a hard question. <laughs> I, I mean, don't, I, I don't you
4: know. know of, you know. No, it's good. Okay. I mean, of course. And. um, you know, I, I think. Uh, well, the thing about it, you know, just to give you an insight of who we are. I mean, we're the Ventura County Star. We're north of L.A. We're, you know, Thousand Oaks is, um, you know, uh, is Thousand best. Oaks is um, is part of Ventura County, and I live in I live in a part of Thousand Oaks called Newbury Park, and um, okay. you know, to me, we care about the Rams um, because. I mean, this is a team. This is a football team that has now moved. It's an you know, this is a company that has moved to our area. That has moved, you know, that that uh, you, know, they're, you know, these players and and the staff are, are are the neighbors of of my readers. They're, you know, um, you know that that this is now this is it changes this area because this football team has come to town. I mean, literally, and we never reported it because we couldn't confirm that it was just because of the Rams, but the the housing prices in Thousand Oaks. Went, went up maybe as high as 25 percent in the like the, the three months that they were moving in went through the roof the housing prices according to we and i never reported it because i, I couldn't completely confirm you know you, there's so many variables Connect all that the it it, it, yeah, yeah. yeah but we you know there's a there's a good chance that housing prices went up significantly and, that, and, that, and that's the kind of the stuff that you know, that we're interested in with the, you know, obviously to see the fan base. I mean, to see this, you know, this group, you know, cause I'm used to a Los Angeles. I'm used to a Ventura County. That's fractured in terms of fans. You've got the old Raider fans and the old Rams fans, but you have so many fans, you know, so many people that have gravitated to the Seahawks because of Pete Carroll that have gravitated um, to, you know, there's a big Cowboys fan base here in the County because they've, they've trained at awesome. thousand Oaks and Oxnard so many years. Um, you know, so you've got this, you know, this, I'm really interested to see what the fan base does. I wrote my Dickerson column about the fans. I'm I'm really interested to see what happens with Rams fans over the next, you know, X amount of years ahead of, um, ahead of Inglewood and beyond. Um, because that's who, you know, those are my readers. So.
2: Good, bad, and ugly. So I will be here no matter what happens,
4: no matter how bad, yeah, no matter how bad (laughs) December is, I will be there next year. Annoying, uh, you know, Annoying people that don't want okay. to talk to me. <laughs>
2: well, well, we'll be reading, yeah. Uh, the good, bad, and ugly. The, the easy, the hard, and the Fisher. Joe Curley, just just tell me that Jeff Fisher, the contract extension, already happened. Just yeah, somebody's <laughs> to break the news. It could be you.
0: That's the you.
4: that's the rumor. Uh, yeah. Oh, it could be us. I mean, but the thing about my whole okay, we'll talk about this. Whether the con contra- I'll, I'll calm you down here, Joe. Whether or not, to me, don't you think that whether or not they gave him the contract extension to me isn't a deal. You know, it, to me, it it means very little. If you, if you take into account that, you know, Fisher, you know, they moved here and the, the, the team is now worth a billion dollars more than it was last year. So the net worth of the owner has gone up a billion dollars, you know, maybe that, they look at the contract extension as kind of a golden parachute or a thank you, you know, this is, we made this money, here's your taste of the money. And, you know, they could, you know, they got enough, you know, crocky has got enough money where if, if, if it really, if it's affecting the team, you know, if they make that decision, they could move on. I don't think paying, you know, paying out a contract extension, you know, paying, paying to fire a coach, you know, they could do that. So I don't think it's the end of the world for the the people that want to see him gone. I don't think it means he's going to be the coach for the next X amount of years. I think it's more important sure. that you know where is this franchise going, you know what the what the roster is going to is look look like today. How is it going to look like in September twenty seventeen? You know what the market is going to look like and how they continue to build towards Inglewood because this team, you know, they, this team obviously needs to mature. They obviously need some some you know to you know some work in various portions, especially on the offense, and it needs to be more entertaining going forward. And I think it will be what you you know, I think you got it. That's the thing is there's so much negative, you know, the, the, so much, you know, four and seven, not making the playoffs, the, you know, the legend of the team and the head coach are fighting to me. The biggest thing out of this year, no matter what happens is Jared Goff looks like a quarterback. You, the Rams look like not to jinx it, but after two games, they look like they got a quarterback. And to me, that's, if that's the case, then any, all the other crap, in this year is secondary because in the NFL it's a quarterback. You know, we know the NFL is about the quarterback. If you don't have the quarterback, you you might as well not be playing the games.
2: Well, that and Demetrius Rainey, if you don't have a backup center, you don't have a team either. Josh, which (laughs) exactly. Uh, Wait, well, um, I, I, I mean, if if we want to hold Joe from no, no no question, no no no, I
3: I didn't I, I I thought I was on mute actually the well, whole time. That's I, all I was like wait. One uh, a <laughs>
0: question for Joe, if that's okay. Yeah sure yeah, yeah. bring it buddy. You were talking about uh, obviously the fact that the Rams are playing the Coliseum for now and, and that they're going to be moving to to Inglewood in a couple of years, and that just makes me think of the market that they left in St Louis. I know that you're a Southern California guy, and, and uh, you know, you've only been covering the uh, Rams for this season. Sure. But if you had to guess, do you think that the NFL is going to be back in St. Louis at some point? Well, I mean, I don't, um... let me think here. Because I'm a big – I am a big – t- in other
4: sports, I do like to debate about, you know, where's the next market the league should go to and all that stuff. And, um, mm-hmm. But, you know, in terms of, of St. Louis, I mean, I think that, you know, the, the – you, know, the, the, um, you know, it certainly was a, a tremendous fan base um, for a long time. I certainly don't fault – it's a great – you know, it's one of the great, you know, sports towns in America. It's what I, I have relatives in St. Louis who are, you know, who are great sports fans who loved – love their teams the um you know the obviously it's one of the best baseball towns in america it's one of the best i think one of the best soccer towns in america um you know that you know, i hope they get it i don't know i'm not up to date on what's happening with the mls franchise but i i hope it, that that the you know the market gets an mls franchise i think the mark you know it's not fair to st louis but what the first you know i'm trying to not have the first thing come out of my mouth as you know they've had two teams, and they've both moved away because you right. you know i don't think you know I don't think that's fair to the mark you know to them certainly it's a great it's a great town it's a great sports town, and you know and i honestly I love watching the blues the last couple of years i you know i'm I'm hoping they finally break through um you know the and but um I don't think you know it's i mean it, I mean honestly, you know, I, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but it's going to be I, I expect it to be a long wait because yeah. if the NFL if the NFL expand, you know, to the, to me it's insane to talk all the stuff about London and all the stuff about expanding right. internationally and all that stuff when you've got, you know, to me there's there are markets in the NFL that um I think would have been better off, you know, moving to LA, you know, um I don't want to rile up certain fan bases, but you know, there's other markets that I think maybe don't deserve an NFL team, and uh, and certainly, um, you know, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, um, it's it's a touchy question for me because you know, I, I've seen and one of the things I've learned is, is the schism between you know the, the the Rams fans and the you know the, the St. Louis fans and the, the LA fans, and, right? Um, no doubt. But I, but I but you know, fans are fans you know, what may, you know, passionate fans are passionate fans. And I I don't, you know, I think the ones that are the most upset right now in St. Louis are the ones that love their team the most. And it's a terrible, it's a terrible thing to lose a team. I remember, you know, when I was in high school, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to, you know, trumpet out my team, but my team almost moved when I was in high school and it was a brutal thing. Um, And, uh, and, you know, something that, that, that every fan base, you know, um, to go, so you can imagine being a Charger fan right now, right. Uh, in San Diego, sure. or a Raiders. What, fan. What, yeah, yeah, I mean, and the Raiders are great fan, you know. But look at the San Diego, like there's no upside for San now, Diego. Qualcomm's a straight LA out piece of shit. Yeah, it is. But there's no upside for San Diego to like you. You know, right. come on now. Yeah, the NFL, it's a money printing organ. You know, organization. You can't build your own state if you can't. The, okay if you can't build your own stadium, you should not own an NFL team. That's you know that's that's the way it is. I mean, the, um, you know what's
3: funny, dude? I said the same thing to Jim Everett before you came on the podcast. <laughs> I'm not even joking. When you when you listen to this podcast, you're going to hear me ranting about the same thing.
4: I mean, it could, come on now. I mean, the, the Charger fans are great fans. They don't. They shouldn't have lost the Clippers to LA the you know Clippers don't belong in LA that the um oh, I'm going to get myself in trouble for that one the um you know you the are. um <laughs> yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah let's 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 get some downloads going come on guys sell this thing but yeah. the, you, know, the, you know and but the you know the, the LA fans don't want the we don't want the Clippers we don't want the the Chargers here the Chargers belong in St. Louis just like the Raiders belong in Oakland and you know and you know I'm sure, you know
0: Saint, you could argue that St. you know the Cardinals should have never left St. Louis. I, I even mean, the have Rams the Rams thought... should have never left L.A. Yeah, I even had the thought: What if the Chargers actually moved down to Mexico?
2: Yeah, I mean that's.
0: I mean they're basically <sighs> in Mexico It'd be already. Like
2: the that Azteca game was cool I mean, <laughs>
3: go ahead
0: Scott yeah, can you imagine
3: the altitude advantage that the Chargers oh you think oh, they
4: would kill people
3: can you imagine if they had to play at Estadio Azteca oh god
4: <laughs> yeah so I mean I'm not a big fan of the international stuff um, you know but you know I mean I think they should have a European league and build that thing out you could have a world you could have the Super Bowl team play the European champion you could have a World Bowl I do not want to see um an n f l european division. I think it's insane i think it's it, what it is is the n f l trying to be like the e p l and get that kind of worldwide recognition but the thing about it is football is an American sport yes, there's fans outside the country and it's a growing thing but you know there you know there there's actually there's actually football leagues we we have locals that play in Germany. That play in. There's. A, I just had somebody send me a press release from from Japan. We had
3: the. M, I don't know if it was the MVP of the. He 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 drove his team down and they JFL. won the Japan Bowl. John, <laughs> yeah. John Manugian, uh plays for, God dang it, man, what is the name? It's like some Finnish team, and I was, like, tweeting him about him two years ago. Like, the, the guy that was at UFC for ten years, the quarterback, he yeah. plays in some strange Finnish football league.
4: So the, the, the NFL should invest in those leagues and pump those leagues up, and, you know, and if they want to further the, gra- the game on a global level, you know, you can't. I mean, there's just football is a one week. You know, you can't play more than you know. They want to expand. You know, the, they want to expand the regular season. They want. There's only so much football we could squeeze into a year. You know, I, I mean, I think they really need um, invest into these European leagues and these global leagues and and go from there. We don't. We don't need. You know, the Jaguars don't need to move to London permanently.
0: We I don't, think I, the the you know. one thing that. The NFL should seriously look at to test how travel and things would work for a potential uh, London team would
2: be Just getting rid of cheerleaders.
0: Well, no, a natural fit, a natural fit would be to put a team in Hawaii. The market may not be no, there, man. but you look at all of the players that come out of Polynesia. You know, Hawaii, Samoa. Um, it's sure. it, it. seems like a natural.
2: Yeah, but they might beat everybody else. We don't want to give them a team that can beat all of us. <laughs> this <laughs> is they're
3: true. They're going to turning into Canadians. the New Zealand All Blacks. What the hell is up with? You? <laughs> <That's not fair. laughs> they're, gonna,
4: they're gonna. They're gonna be like the Montreal Canadiens, or they're gonna be able yeah. to, to get have all the Polynesian players. That would be an un. <laughs> yeah, that would be a big advantage. <laughs> right. I don't think. I think that, hey. the London team. And, <laughs> he's and, and gonna just have real that quick, thing I
0: should clarify when I say that the Chargers are basically in Mexico already, I just mean that the border is right there and Whatever the, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. don't I live it, in Southern California
4: no. we were, this, this area was Mexico at one point you It's the way that,
2: you
4: Shut, know, history Shout out, is out to there.
2: producer Scott Shout out to producer Scott, but shout out to Joe Curley This podcast did not go where I thought it was going <laughs> Joe, this has been awesome, man
0: appreciate you coming on,
4: Hey, anytime you guys need anything, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you guys, um, you know, you guys, like I said, you know, and, you know, they, people, they call you a blog or fans or whatever. You know, you guys care about this team as much as anybody. And so that's why I, I you know, appreciate it and I respect you guys. And, and I, you know, I appreciate you guys not, uh, you know, running me out of dodge when I'm trying to learn nah. this team throughout this whole year. So, you know, it's been fun. And, and, you know, you're, we're, uh, you know, we're, <laughs> We're learning. We're trying our best, and um, okay. and uh, we're getting there. You got a lot of talented reporters, and I'm just glad that yep. uh, you know they get to be one of them. So,
2: no, it's quite the opposite. We appreciate what you guys do, and and we're excited to send you all the Clippers hate for suggesting the Clippers should be alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got some friends
3: I love that one. I think I think did you send that to like Daryl Clipper or something? That's like yeah, the only exactly. person that <laughs> Daryl Clipper, I, he'll get the rest taken care of.
4: Poor Clipper, I mean it could, you know, I mean maybe I'm like anti, you know, teams moving, but like you know. Come on. I mean I didn't yeah. But I mean, it is what it is. I mean,
3: I mean answer on. me this is the opening scene in basketball to you not one of like like that movie is prophetic, right? Like we're we're so close <laughs> to that point. Like between that movie and idiocracy, I feel like we're there as a society.
4: Yeah, we're we'll well patt the problem is yeah. man
3: uh, <laughs> we're <laughs> past it. We're way past it. Yeah, I, I
2: was gonna say, wait, wait, hold past. on. We still got we still got a two thousand seventeen Los Angeles Rams season with Jeff Fisher. We'll we'll find out how close <laughs> we are today. Joe, thanks know, for coming guys. on, man.
4: Batting down the hatches. Fisher ain't good. You know, there are no signs that Fisher is going anywhere, so <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see what happens. You got anytime you guys need anything, let me know. I
2: appreciate it. We will, man. Thanks for coming on, boss
0: guys. Hey, thanks for letting me jump in there, guys. Ah, yeah, no problem. That was a great question, but that was why I wanted to have
2: Joe on. That was awesome, man.
3: Yeah, no, that's see, and I knew Joe would hang out like that, so that's why I approached him. Uh you know, we we you mentioned we wanted to get more local media involved in this and I and I think that's a great way to start networking and building relationships here in LA because like Joe said, everybody's kinda in this together. And anyone who can lean on each other, like that that's how quality reporting on the Rams is gonna get done. And, uh,
2: and here's the other thing, though. It, 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 you know, as Churchill Times, as Rams fans, there are going to be Rams fans that read the Ventura County Star that follow Joe Curley. that use him as a conduit to understand what the team is doing. And like he said, he's talking to guys like Demetrius Rainey and Nelson Spruce. And fans want to hear those stories, you know. Even if yeah. they're not – you know, you don't always want to hear the Todd Gurley story, the Jared Goff story, the Aaron Donald story. At some point, you want to hear, okay – I get it, but what does the team do it, especially when things I can't are- wait to read this
3: Johnny Hecker, Johnny Hecker story he talked about alluded to.
2: Johnny Hecker's a trip, man.
0: No, Guys, uh, is Johnny Hecker no, on what? the same level as being a trip as uh, Pat McAfee for the Colts?
2: Uh, dude,
3: I kind of feel like they're in two different leagues. Pat McAfee likes to talk a lot of shit. Johnny Hecker just likes to have fun.
2: Yeah, yeah. Hecker's goofy. Here's yeah, the other I difference. I
3: think if he'll get into a political war.
2: they will. The, the other difference, in, and this is where I, I'm, I'm wondering how Los Angeles is going to treat this is, Johnny Hecker's on the Rams. Right. This is a team the vacuum that I talked about earlier that gets filled by the Eric Dickerson story. It because the Rams have a, you know, a 15 year history or not a 15, let's say a 12 year history of not having football fill headlines. Johnny Hecker doesn't have an opportunity to, to have the platform that Pat McAfee does or Chris Kluwe, you know, from the Vikings does because there hasn't been any football to back. In. No, I get it. We, we as Rams fans can look at the Jets game and say, damn, Johnny Hecker is an incredible punter. And, and, and if he's able to do this for a couple more seasons, we're talking about the question of what does it take to get to the Hall of Fame as a punter? But nobody cares about. And I, I don't mean to be mean to Johnny hacker Nobody cares about punters, from a football sense. When you're talking about punters on your football team, that tells that tells you how bad your football team is, right?
0: Joe, and you so, just made so, Rich Eisen cry a little bit.
2: I did. I did, and that you know. It, it's it's unfair, but it's true that that's there's an extent to which the casual fan will pay attention to a team, and Johnny Hecker is beyond that extent. I, I here's the thing: I, I love Johnny Hecker. I I, I follow it. his mom is a great follow on social media. If you guys don't follow Johnny Hecker's mom, she seems like a great woman. I love everything about his story and, and who he is, but. There's only so much that the casual fan will represent, and we're in a different stratus, and it just is what it is, man. And if the Rams don't follow all this stuff up with with quality football, you can't follow it up with a quality, you know, social presence like Johnny Hecker, a quality story like he is, because people won't care. People aren't going to read, and I don't mean to be mean, but Demetrius Rainey and Nelson Spruce, most cats aren't going to care about that if all they know is that the Rams are four and eight or four and seven. As of today, and dealing with the Eric Dickerson stuff, there's just no room for those kind of stories, and it's unfortunate, but it's true.
3: Producer Scott, about how much time do we have for listener questions?
0: Oh, uh, how long do you guys want to go? Well, we've got two hours. Okay. Ugh. Uh, it is eight twenty-eight. So. So we get two minutes. <laughs> yeah.
2: Go lightning round. Let's do this quick. <laughs> Okay. All righty.
3: Isn't Demoff? Stad is Fisher's agent to get daddy paid, or am I thinking of the players?
2: No. Well, here's what I'd say, is that it, it, the, the agent relationship is different than a father-son relationship, and you got to take that out. If, if Kevin Demoff feels that the best interests of the Rams are to go with another head coach, the fact that his dad is Jeff Fisher's agent isn't going to matter.
3: That's that's the, you, you you don't get to the level of the demo by doing crap like that. It, no, you'd, you'd get run out of the industry a lot sooner if that's how it works. You wouldn't get that. Uh, after two L.A. Rams, after move to L.A., the Rams started three and one, then nosedived. How can that be blamed on the move? Sad day for the fans.
2: Yeah, not uh, blamed on the move at all. I think uh, if anything, they're lucky that they started three and one. Uh, you know, we've seen other seasons where that hasn't happened and they've still gotten to this kind of a record. I, I look every, after every game we tweet out from tertial times, what the Rams record has been under Jeff Fisher, the move hasn't changed that at all. It's still in line with where they've been. And I don't expect that to change. The move is just an excuse that, now that, let's be clear. There's tons of off field stuff. The stuff we talked about with Jim Everett, the stuff that Steve Weish alluded to, there is tons of stuff going on that that never surfaces in the media, to the fans, in general consensus of, what, of how we appreciate this team. There's no doubt that there's other stuff going on, but that doesn't matter when you get to Sunday. There, there's nothing about this weekend, when the Rams go to New England, that will have anything to do with the move. There's nothing. They moved. They moved months ago. They've been practicing football. The football that they're going to play on Sunday ain't got shit to do with moving to L.A., period. It has to do with football. That's it. The move doesn't have anything. He's There's not a
3: single p- player on this team thinking about his house He's anymore. About the
2: move. Period, man. That's done. That's gone. Now, here's what I say. Don't don't be surprised if Jeff Fisher pulls that out every week. This week, this month, this year, into 2017, I won't be surprised if he uses this as an excuse next year. But let's be real, it's an excuse. It don't have nothing to do with the football. You know, I
3: I have no words, but here's what I know. This is, just going back to... to the The point about, you know, Fisher having his job, Fisher guiding him through the move, uh, uh, and whatever uh, they released today, they, they said, we don't know the extent to, uh, to which this season has been trying. And, you know, it's 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 like Lanny tweeted, you know, if only there were a press conference that they could hold to explain that to us, sure. you know? <laughs> I mean, if, this fan base... Would probably end up forgiving the crap season if they came out with like, dude. So we had a couple of our players that tested positive for AIDS, and y'all was, we, y'all y'all wouldn't know, see now, aren't yeah, of course, of course. So you come out and you tell us that stuff, and people are gonna be like, you know what, man. Let's go, 2017, come on, we'll give Fish one more, like, you could get a Rams fan to buy into that if you had a good enough explanation, but the explanation is that they have an explanation, and that's not good enough.
2: And the silliness is, and take the take this for what it is this week, what we're saying is it's hard to travel across the country and keep your team focused and keep a maintained schedule to be able to play a football game. They're about to travel from Los Angeles to Boston, man. They, they, if, if you're if if you're a functioning NFL football team, you can travel and and get your work done and put yourself in a position to win football games. If you're good at what you do, period. That that's the players, that's the coaches, that's the culture, that's everything. There's no excuse, dude. There's
3: no excuse. Right. So here's a couple of easy lightning round ones because I know we got some stuff we can edit out to to make up some time for this anyway. But uh, okay, uh, I have one. Has a mass protest against an NFL coach ever led to a firing?
2: Oh, I don't know. That's a that. That's a good. That's a that would have been a good question for Joe. I do wow. think
3: the Lions maybe with Matt Millen? I get but he wasn't a head coach. No, but, I mean, the fans wanted him out. I mean, uh, GM...
2: Here's what I would say. There was always a first time for everything. So even if there (laughs) hasn't been, and and, and what I would say is, and I've, I've always said this about Tertial Times, we're a conduit for the fan voice. We are not the voice of the fans. If there are fans who come up with a great way... To make sure that the Rams hear us as a as an extended voice, as a you know hashtag Ramley, then then go for it, and 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 we'll support it, and we'll build it, and we'll we'll amplify that voice. The reason Joe Curley came and spoke to us tonight, the reason Jim Everett came and spoke to us tonight, is we are the premier website of fan powered media, right? And, and, and it's not it's not that it's you know. Uh, what's the word? Unprofessional or childish or anything like that. But it's also not that we're the only voice. There are fans who use Twitter, who use Facebook, who show up in person, who put, who 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 raise signs at games. Who, you know, there's all kinds of ways to make sure. What uh, N. Martin Fifty Five did that we highlighted in that story today on the site, where he emailed Kevin Demoff and, and, and Kevin, you know, emailed him back. That, fans have a say in this. And and, and so I, I don't know if there's an instance where the fans have protested to get a coach fired. But that doesn't mean there aren't ways for Rams fans to make their voices heard. And I would say this. show time stands behind any Rams fans who want to make their voice heard, period.
3: Hey, right. so Jeff Fisher, your significant other. Whom is more believable when saying something is quote-unquote fine?
2: <laughs> uh neither <laughs> Now, nah, shout out to my wife Now nah, that nah, she doesn't say everything's fine she's honest with me but the difference is she's speaking to me jeff fisher ain't speaking to me he's speaking to the media and he just like we saw with eric dickerson what we saw with greg robinson what we've seen a hundred times before he he's comfortable playing games with the media um when, when he says something's fine I I would always advise people to uh take him with a grain of salt. It it doesn't mean that he's dishonest. It just take means it that
3: as his, the meme. Yeah, well,
2: it, it, yeah, it, it his approach to the media isn't to directly connect that you know, fans or whoever reads the reports, whoever whoever's listening to what he says as being you know absolute truth that's just the way that's just the way he treats the media and you you got to accept that look joe Curley understands that everybody else in the media pool understands that we as fans have to understand that that he's not coming to the media to press conferences expecting to be completely honest bill belichick isn't completely honest there's plenty of other coaches who who take the same approach in media that aren't directly and fully and completely and forthrightly honest. The difference is a lot of those other coaches win a lot more football games, right? And, and so the I think the problem is when people get upset and they want answers, you don't get them directly from Jeff Fisher. And if, if you accept that, and look, as adults, we can do this. We can, we can say, okay, the head coach isn't being completely honest. That's I.
3: Yeah. I think that's fair. I I, I definitely do. Um, now, I, here's a question that I don't know if it's fair that we're going to answer it. Um, but you know, Pink Survivor seventy, loyal loyal member of the Ramily, I to know wants to know, and and I feel so bad because she's not going to like the answer that's coming oh no <laughs> but she wants to know how can I get my fellow fans to stand up and make noise at the right times during the game oh. I try uh <clears throat> they gotta win that's just that's the answer that's the answer that's the only well, thing that's gonna get people up
2: the other answer is Pink's gotta find Rams fans she, she's gotta connect with them um whether that's through social media or Tertial Times or in person, whatever it is, what what you don't do is Rams rules. You don't you don't even know what Rams rules are, you do. You never saw that video.
3: No, I never saw that one.
2: Yeah, I gotta I gotta send this to you. So that was that was that was a that was a dark time. That was that was when the Rams tried to put out a video to explain to Rams fans how to cheer for football. Uh, that, yeah, we don't need to. We don't need to be told about football. That's that's something every other team. Uh, every, every other team understands that, and then there's the the way you understand that is by watching football, and we all get it. We don't need to be talking. It was not good, but the, you know, Pink's right. Is is that th- there's um. There's something specific about this culture and this team because we've been we've been removed from winning football for so long that we don't. This is one of the things I think about a lot, Josh. And it's because I'm one of 32 SB Nation site managers, and I'm the only one who has never covered a winning football season. I'm not sure I know how to do that, man. You know, I I, I, don't, I don't I don't know how to cover. Uh, successful football from August all the way to December. The same way Rich Hill, who runs Pat's Pulpit, the New England Patriots site, he has no idea how to how to cover a four seven and nine bullshit. He has no idea how to do that. Mm. If he had to do that once, he'd freak out. He'd say fire everybody. You know, in, in October, he'd say no, fire the general manager, fire the head coach, fire the we need no owner. You know what I'm saying? He has no idea how to do that. <laughs> I have a, I have a great idea to do that because I've been around for ten years of sure. it. So when Pink says, you know, what what do I need to do to get other fa- you got to connect, we got to build, we got to build the family out, and uh, I don't have the answer for that. Hey, you know this I'm, I'm,
3: this here podcast is your voice. You guys realize yeah. that, right? I mean. <laughs> No doubt, this is part of the answer. That, we we will bring uh, Joe and Jim and Eric and whoever the hell we can get on this show. We'll bring them your questions. Here's the thing, though: you actually have to send them in. Questions. Do not yeah. do mind bullets.
2: <laughs> that's part of it. Fan that's, podcasts. It's it's fan website, fan social media. It's all of it. No doubt. And you're you're right. This is that's what Tarshaw Times offers. We're we're only as good as the people who you know, read the site and comment on the site and tweet us, Facebook and Instagram and all that shit. That, and the fact that people are willing to send us questions, the reason we answer them is to highlight them and to show. And look, just like in Martin55's tweets and emails showed, the team is going to, if, if our voices are loud enough, the team is going to pay attention. I, and I, I say this with reservation, but I say it sincerely, I know for a fact, the team reads Tertial Times. You the franchise you get you, yeah, I, I won't go into any depth, you know about who or what or how. What goes on Tertial times gets noticed by the Rams. Right. And because we are fans, they care about us, but they only care about us in so much as we're willing to say something. And so when, when fans hire, you know, you put up a sign that says Fire Fisher, when they when they chant things at the Coliseum, when they say things and, and promote hashtags on Twitter, it makes a difference. So the fact that Pink's willing to ask that question means she's willing to make a difference. That in and of itself is only going to be as powerful as what she's willing to do in organization with other Rams fans, and I, I would not be surprised if she is successful in that effort, because I know she's the kind of fan that is committed to making sure that we as fans get what we want, and, and to making sure that this team gets better.
3: 100% agreed, based on every interaction I've ever had with her. yeah, Pretty much a diehard, but uh, I think we've left Scott with a hell of enough of an editing job. We can save these questions yeah we're saving uh we'll get now to then there to them there parts where we talk about our social media uh which you can follow us always at turf show times and most of you do so so it's pretty dumb that we say that but if you're not, if you're new to the podcast it's not dumb so we'll do it every single week um You can find me on Twitter at FightOnTwist I'm currently going through a downturn uh, since I've stopped covering college football Uh, so uh, I am happily accepting Rams fans onto my timeline and shout out to Jim Everett who followed me thank you very much Jim 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 damn Everett man and, uh, yeah, you can find Joe on Twitter at 3K uh, or sometimes just tweeting from the site itself. So if you see us on social media, be sure to get after us. If you hear us say that we are going to interview somebody, and that usually occurs on my timeline because uh, I'm a loudmouth Um Get at us, man. Let us know. Like, obviously, we aren't going to ask them any stupid shit. And if you send it in, don't expect it to get asked. But if you send yourself in a proper question, uh, you know, even if it's a tough question, but it's worded fairly, I've got no problems asking those, and I don't think Joe does either. So, you know, we we won't shy away from asking tough questions. Just send them in and make sure they're appropriate and fair. That's all you got to do.
2: I would say this. It's Show Radio, man. We, we we amplified the fans' voices. We've done that. We had Jim Everett on the podcast. Thank you, Jim, for coming on. We had Joe Curley on the podcast. Thank you for coming on. We're getting great guests. Shout out to Lanny, Brett Lancaster, Lanny OSU for obviously the Twitter folks. And good Lord, does he love some Twitter. Holler at him. I know he wants it. Man, we, we're doing big things, bro. Yeah. Even even though the team's four 4-7, we're doing big things
3: yeah yep so and and, and I'm excited because I'm starting to take a more increased role now that I'm starting to get more comfortable with the team.
2: Um, sure. so. what the hell you been waiting for?
3: Well, I wanted to actually learn who was at what position, because at the beginning of the season, it was like, well, number 30 mate. you know, <laughs> so
2: look at you and Joe Curly using that. I I they don't know what position they were anyway. In week one, you might as well have told them. That's probably true.
3: But uh man, we can't wait for next week. We're continuing to work on Outstanding guests, and knowing Lanny, he's probably lining up Kevin Dimoff. I'm not serious about that, but if anybody could do well, it, Lanny, yeah, Lanny Lanny could. Um <clears throat> so uh we will catch you here next time. Same time here Wednesdays, uh six thirty yeah. Pacific, nine thirty PM Eastern. Yep. What's up, Joe?
2: Shout out to Producer Scott. Great questions. Great technical expertise. Producer Scott, always in the background. I see you, Scotty.
0: Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
3: you. Hey, he makes it all possible, ladies and gentlemen, even if he is a Niners fan. So get at us, and we are out.
2: There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details.